Well, that football game sucked, and we got even worse news after the football game. We got quite a bit to discuss. This is the Pikmin Podcast. Drag up that diesel. What's going on? This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Uh, not exactly a happy podcast for the second consecutive week. It will be a gloomy Monday. I think that's what I'm sticking with for the name until either I can think of a better one or someone can hand gift me a better name for what we should call the post-Monday, the post-loss podcast. But it was not a great game, and somehow we got even worse news earlier in the day which I'll get into in just a moment. But as always, if this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed. And if you're not a member of the community on hogshaven.com, be sure to go over and do that. Uh, We'll get to the game itself, the actual gameplay, the X's and the O's, and the very bad performance from Dwayne Haskins. There's just not a way that I can sugarcoat that. He did not play very well. But the worst news of today, today being, of course, uh, a Monday, is that Matt Ioannidis has a torn bicep, and he is done for the year. So we saw him leave the game uh, right before Chase Young ended up leaving the game. So I believe Matt Ioannidis left first. It was like back-to-back almost. Those two guys, two of the the really great players on our really great group uh, on the defensive line, Matt Ioannidis left first, and he was walking off. There wasn't really a limp or anything, so I was a little confused I wasn't really frightened, to be completely honest, because I saw him walk off the field, and he was literally just walking upright. I'm thinking, all right, maybe just uh, tape something up, maybe a wrist or something like that, but he wasn't really holding anything on his body. Like He was literally just walking as if a normal person were walking, so I didn't really know what that was, and then he came back out, and his arm was iced, and then he was in a sling, and we learned today that it was a bicep injury, because I had remembered, of course, we... We have great memories of Mad Eye Knight is playing with a club on his hand. So I, I kind of thought to myself, at least a little selfishly, because of course uh, it's not my body, but I was thinking selfishly, all right, if this is just a broken hand, like he, he can play through that because he's done so before. And I think he has a lot more motivation this year, considering the group that he's playing with. And eventually he's going to need to get paid. So I just thought, all right, if this is a broken hand, like we can, we can take that. But of course, a bicep is, uh, a lot different than just a broken bone in the hand. Uh, So that kind of sucks. I had this weird feeling that uh, at some point, the defensive line, just football being football, it's very rare that you can keep, if you have a great group of like five to six guys, it's very rare, I feel like, that you can keep them all healthy for the entirety of the season. I I was not hoping for, I wasn't hoping or expecting, of course, for a season-ending injury three games into the year. But, um, I mean, football is football. You know guys are going to get hurt. And thankfully for us as Uh, team perspective the depth that we have at that group we got guys that can step right up Um, and of course Tim Settle can step right up into that position we already have Deron Payne and John Allen and then of course uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young and Ryan Kerrigan all on the outside and Sweat played fantastic we'll we'll touch on him coming up here later on in uh, this episode but uh, yeah just not good I mean obviously we wish a speedy recovery for Matt Ioannidis you never want to see a guy go down like that that just it's salt on the wound of what was really not a great game 
from our perspective, our vantage point. I'm sure if you were a Cleveland fan, you liked what you saw, but uh, we're not Cleveland fans. So I guess we'll dive right into uh, the bad, and the bad is the performance of Dwayne Haskins. I have been a Dwayne Haskins defender. I'm a Dwayne Haskins guy, and that has not changed. I, I should put that out there now. I'm certainly not changing my stance on Dwayne Haskins after three games this season, especially as a guy that has consistently got on here and said, hey, give this guy time. He still hasn't even played a, a full rookie season. We got to actually see what this guy is. Uh, so I'm sticking with that. We just saw a really bad performance. The, I mean, the three interceptions, all of which were terrible, those need to change. Now, the benefit, if I'm looking at this and doing my best to twist this into an optimistic way of thinking, the benefit is that the interceptions came because he was eyeing down his wide receivers. And that's a fixable thing. Like, guys eventually break that habit as they get more comfortable. They can kind of control the defense a little bit with their eyes. They're not playing as fast, as fast mentally because that's one thing that he has been very open with and that's one thing the coaching staff has been very open with is we got to slow him down mentally a little bit, which is almost kind of weird. Or maybe not mentally, you got to slow him down physically because he's jumping ahead of where he needs to when he's, he's not making all of the reads. He's not waiting for things to develop and... The three interceptions were kind of the perfect personification of that way of thinking, which is what we had heard leading up to this game against Cleveland. And this game was a prime opportunity for the offense to get on a really good track and to put up impressive numbers. And for the record, the beginning of the game for Dwayne Haskins was his best performance, I thought, yet. He looked confident. The play calling, I thought, was beneficial to the way that he likes to play. Uh, it was a lot more up-tempo type of stuff going on. And then the interception, the first one, and then the second and third, and it seemed like as he threw interceptions, which I guess makes sense for a young quarterback, but it seemed like he really started to lose confidence. And that's something that I hope will change in the future, but it's also something that you know the coaching staff and the guys on the sideline need to help pick him up a little bit. And some of the receivers need to help their quarterback out and, and not dropping passes. If it hits you in the hands, you have to catch the football. I mean, this is the NFL. If it hits you in the hands and you have an opportunity to grab it and you're playing with a young quarterback, you got to help your quarterback out. So I thought we saw two different versions of Dwayne Haskins in the game, which routinely over the course of his young career, usually the, the first half is bad and the second half is the really good where he gets better. Well, the first half was solid, until, I mean, other than the interceptions, but the first part of the game was solid, and then the second part, you kind of just saw the wheels come off a little bit. And one, after the second interception, you're like, all right, this is, we're in some trouble here. I mean, this is, this is not going well at all. Now, Ron Rivera did say after the game, he is sticking with Dwayne Haskins, and, and he kind of relied on the idea of, we need to see what this guy actually is. Something similar to what I've been saying. We need to see what this guy actually is. He still hasn't played a full regular season of football, so we are working on these mistakes. We're getting these these out of the way. These are learning curves, uh, making the adjustment from college to the NFL and now with a coaching staff that actually likes the guy. So these, these things are going to happen, and it is important to remember this is a rebuilding year. So we should have expected this. We I think, myself included, I got a little too high after the win against Philadelphia because I had thought at the time that Philadelphia was a really good football team. Well, now seeing how our team has played in the past two weeks and also seeing how Philadelphia has played in the past two weeks, Philadelphia sucks. 
That team is atrocious. So as great of a win as it was for us mentally in week one, and it was fun, and we got that kind of the juices flowing a little bit, it's really not that great of a win as I continue to watch Philadelphia play. That team is bad. So it's brought me a little bit back down to earth personally. But I like that Ron Rivera said, we're going to stick with the guy, and we're going to see what he's about. Now he did say, Ron Rivera did, he did say eventually, like, we have to see something. There is a, there's kind of a timetable here. He did not elaborate as to what that timetable was, but personally, from my perspective, I would say the timetable should be eight games. If what we see after week eight, if we are still having these conversations about he's not getting better uh, with the pacing, he's still looking looking the hell out of his wide receivers, he's making bad uh, throws, bad reads, the accuracy is still not there. If we are eight games into the season and we are still having those sorts of conversations, maybe it is time to look elsewhere at the quarterback spot. But I'm not prepared to do so after just two losses, right? And I don't, for the record, I don't think that Kyle Allen is the answer. I don't understand why people are so quick to jump on the Kyle Allen train like that dude didn't lose his last seven games in a row in Carolina. Like, they willingly gave that man up. They, they, they just gifted him to us. Why on earth is he going to be our savior? I learned this lesson the hard way. I would hope that some of you have too, but it seems like not everybody has. I learned that one organization's trash should not be our treasure. John Beck was like the pristine uh, display of that. I thought John Beck was going to be great for us. What was that? That had to be like 2011 or something like that. Oh, it was so long ago. I don't even know what time it is anymore with this coronavirus stuff. But it was like a decade ago that I thought John Beck was going to be really good and then learned the hard way that John Beck is not good. So why should we just expect Kyle Allen after losing seven consecutive games in Carolina that all of a sudden he is going to fix all of our problems like it's just Dwayne that's the problem? If you're watching these football games, you should know that Dwayne, while he didn't play great, he is not the sole problem on this team offensively. There are a lot of other issues. The offensive line is still not great. It's still not great. There need, we need a lot of help at the offensive line. We still need playmakers other than Terry McLaurin. I mean, guys are still dropping passes. Again, we can't have guys drop passes. I will credit... John Troy Edmond, although it did look like he got hurt as well. I don't have a an update ex- exactly on his injury, and to be honest, I didn't really uh, seek that out. I saw I saw I sought out the the Mad United situation. Uh, I didn't really seek out the information on Dontrell Inman, but it seemed like it looked like he broke his hand. Uh, that's just my uh, not medical professional opinion there, but it looked like he broke his hand. I will say though, he played well. I mean, he caught two touch he caught the two touchdown passes from Dwayne Haskins, so credit to him, I was kind of getting on him last week, um, but he he stepped up and he played well, so uh, credit to him for that, but the other receivers need to step up, and, and it, a lot of this is, not a lot of it, but some of this is on them as well. Now, from Dwayne's perspective, this is the last thing uh, I will say on Dwayne Haskins, because this is what I want to see. I gave him kind of that eight-week mark for me personally. This is this is what I'm really gonna, going to be able to decide. Am I fully in on Dwayne Haskins, or do we need to kind of enter ourselves in that tank for Trevor uh, sweepstakes? You knew that you knew that was going to happen, right? Like, let's just stop pretending like we're going to throw these around. It, eventually, we're going to have to bring up the conversation of tanking for Trevor. Um, that aside, 
by week eight, that's kind of my deadline for that. I want to see him not look the hell out of his wide receivers. But if I am the coaching staff, I don't know where you're going to find time to do some stuff like this. But if I'm the coaching staff, I am having Dwayne Haskins watch his game film. And then I'm having Dwayne Haskins watch Russell Wilson's game film. Uh, for multiple reasons. One, Russell Wilson is widely recognized as one of the best quarterbacks in football. On top of that, he is playing maybe the best he's ever played in his professional career, and he's absolutely lighting defenses up. And even on top of that, I thought the game-winning touchdown he threw yesterday to DK Metcalf was the perfect example of what I want to see Dwayne Haskins get better at. Now, I recognize Russell Wilson has been playing in the NFL for nearly a decade, and he's one of the best quarterbacks ever. I'm not, not ever, but right now, uh, I'm not expecting Dwayne Haskins to just be Russell Wilson after learning certain things, right? That's unrealistic, and that's not how I operate. But after watching that game-winning touchdown pass, it's the perfect example of things that Dwayne Haskins need to get better at. Because Russ, he dropped back into the pocket. The The Cowboys dropped a safety that was supposed to be responsible for over the top, but the route combination had the safety focusing a little bit on the tight end, which I believe was Greg Olson. And because Russ is one of the great quarterbacks, instead of just jumping right to the read, which was DK Metcalf, who was sneaking his way behind that safety, Russ was able to hold the safety with his eyes by still looking at Greg Olson. He allowed the play to develop, and it was just a split second or two where the safety was watching Russ's eyes on Greg Olson, and then Russ turned right to DK Metcalf, chucked it over the top, it was the game-winning touchdown, and that was that they beat the Dallas Cowboys. That's what I want to see Dwayne Haskins get better at. It's those little things, using your eyes to your benefit instead of telling the defense where exactly you're going. Don't jump to your reads as soon as you get the ball in your hand. Let the play develop. Be patient. And some of that is on the offensive line for not being good, right? I mean, it's not all on Dwayne Haskins, but he has to do a better job of allowing things to develop in front of him, being a patient passer, be calm in the pocket, you know, trust your abilities and then continue to do what you do best. Because when you're playing with up tempo and when you're dictating the pace, I thought he played well. Again, I thought he played really well. And then, all right, so I lied. Uh, Final thing, part two, I would like to see him throw deep. I mean, we have heard all about Dwayne Haskins' arm and it's a, it's a, it's been called a trigger, which I'd never heard before. Uh, it's been called a cannon. That one I'd heard before. We know that D- Dwayne Haskins has an exceptionally strong arm. I don't know why we are not throwing the ball deep. I mean, we need to be taking more deep shots. And if you want to bring up, well, he's not accurate. Why would we just waste plays by throwing down the field? Uh, sure, uh, nerd. Here's the thing. If Dwayne Haskins' arm is as great as it is, throw it. Like, chuck the ball down the field. He's only going to get better at deep passes by throwing deep passes. This is a learning year. We know this. This is a re- like this is not news to anybody. You have to see the guy get better and he gets better by actually getting the reps at doing these things. You can't expect a guy to become a great deep ball thrower if you're not throwing a deep ball. Practice is practice. We have we know this more than and then a lot of franchises, we have seen great performances in practice and in training camp, and then guys fall on their face. Practice is practice. Game speed is completely different. Let the guy throw the ball deep. And I think it could add a different element to this offense and kind of keep the defense on their toes a little bit. Because the defense is not playing deep and they're not afraid of the deep ball. It makes their job significantly easier. Oh, and by the way, we have one of the best wide receivers in football. 
I'm ready to call Terry McLaurin that. If you're not there yet, uh, pick the pace up. Terry McLaurin is absolutely one of the best wide receivers in football. Like, we shouldn't even really be having this conversation anymore. He just plays at a different speed than everybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm 100% serious. He plays at a different speed than everybody else, and I was just watching that as he was catching passes yesterday. I mean, he had that 33-yard reception. He had a, another big one for uh, 20-something yards. And it's not like Dwayne is throwing the ball 20 yards down the field and Terry just happens to catch it and he goes down. These are short, shorter routes. And then once the ball gets in Terry McLaurin's hands, his vision and his ability to run after the catch are absolutely fantastic. And I would go so far as to say, as he is 100% in the upper echelon of wide receivers when it comes to running after the catch, he has like running back type vision. And I'm not talking about like good running back type vision. I'm talking about like Alvin Kamara type vision when Terry McLaurin is running. Like I was watching Sunday Night Football and I was seeing Alvin Kamara do these crazy things. And Alvin Kamara is in a complete league of his own when it comes to some of this stuff because he is just that damn good of a running back. He got paid $75 million and he deserved every penny of it. So that needs to be stated. But watching Terry McLaurin take these short intermediate pass plays and make the most out of them and pick up an extra 20 yards after the catch... That's impressive. I mean, that that is impressive. He is fantastic at doing that. He's not ever going to get the recognition that he deserves until we actually start winning football games, but he torches defensive backs on a consistent basis. And in the 20-ish games, technically, that he has been a member of our franchise, I think he's only played in 17 of them uh, because of an injury, but in the games that he has been a member of our franchise, the only person that stops Terry McLaurin is whoever is calling the plays. A defensive back has yet to shut this guy down. He played really well against Darius Slay. He played fantastic against Patrick Peterson. And we got to a point yesterday where Cleveland didn't even shadow Terry McLaurin with Denzel Ward. I went into yesterday's game thinking that we were going to see McLaurin versus Denzel Ward for the entirety of the game. Something very similar that Cleveland did the previous week with A.J. Green. And they didn't do that at all. And I don't know if it's because Denzel Ward did not, as they say, want the smoke. I don't know if it was they, they just shifted up their defensive philosophy or what have you. But Denzel Ward did not shadow Terry McLaurin to the extent that I thought that he would. And that's because he couldn't cover him. Now, that pass interference call was complete and utter nonsense. There's, there's no arguing that. That was not a pass interference. That was that was a terrible call by the refs. I can't believe they actually made that call. It sucked. It was stupid. And it might have led to another interception. Like, I don't know how that drive would have panned out had that play not been called. Uh, but I do know how it did plan out, pan out after it was called. And that was an interception. And I didn't like that. Uh, but aside from from that play, I mean, Terry McLaurin is just really, really good. He's just, he's so, he's so good. And I almost feel bad because it kind of feels like we're wasting him. And that sucks, and it hurts to say, but it kind of feels like we're wasting him, and it kind of feels like we're wasting certain really good aspects of the defense, and specifically the defensive line. We we lost Matt Ioannidis. Chase Young left the game, although, I mean, fingers crossed he's going to be able to play uh, this upcoming week, which, oh, I hope so, because, man, the Ravens are a good football team. Um, but Montez Sweat did a really, really good job stepping up. I thought he played the best game that he has played uh, as a member of this organization. Four tackles, uh, two and a half tackles for loss, and a sack. He should have had a couple more sacks, to be honest. I mean, you could make an argument. He should have had two. He should have had three sacks in this game. He he forced a um, 
a intentional grounding by Baker Mayfield, which doesn't technically count as a sack. I almost kind of wish that it did just from a statistical standpoint because Montez Sweat should get a lot of credit for drawing that penalty. So I wish that did count as a sack. Unfortunately, it does not. And then there was another play where they were running, uh, Cleveland was, they were running the screen play and Sweat jumped up to bat the ball down while Baker pump faked it. And had he not have jumped, I mean, maybe Baker throws the the action, the pass if he doesn't jump. But had he not have jumped, he likely would have been able to sack Baker Mayfield there. So there's a real argument for Montez Sweat finishing that game with three sacks. I thought he played fantastic. Uh, it's very, very clear that Chase Young and Montez Sweat are the future at the edge position. And then either Deron Payne, John Allen, or Matt Adonai, some some duo of that trio because I don't think we're going to be able to keep everyone like just just plan for that already you know I don't think we're going to be able to keep everyone uh but some some duo of that trio on the inside our defensive line is going to be set for years and years to come so I almost don't feel as bad but they're good now and it seems like they're doing a really good job of keeping us in ball games because if that defensive line was not as good as they were Cleveland is probably putting up well over 40 points on us and that's just that's not acceptable especially in this Ron Rivera coached team and Jack Del Rio coached defense like these these 40 point performances should not be a thing even the 30 is a little too extreme for my liking but a lot of that does come on uh, Cleveland yesterday capitalizing on every single turnover three interceptions they scored three touchdowns off of those interceptions and I mean that that's the that's the game right there I mean, right in that statistic, that is the game. That's why we lost the football game. Dwayne throws three picks. They score a touchdown on every single one of those interceptions. Off of those interceptions, not technically on, but you get the idea. You're smart. You get the idea. They score off of all of those interceptions, and that is the ball game right there. So you can't put too much of that on the defense. If the offense was competent and if they weren't turning the ball over, a lot of this game... And last week's game would look very, very different. I'm worried about what this upcoming week is going to be like, but that's a different story. We'll get into that later in the week. And then finally, maybe I shouldn't have saved this for last, but it is what it is. Uh, this Ron Rivera not calling timeout thing has to stop. This this cannot keep going on. I kind of did my best to overlook it a little bit last week. I didn't want to pay too much attention into it. But now that this has happened for the second consecutive week, like, once is one thing, right? You can do one thing one time, and that's just it. Like, that's a one-time thing. You can keep it moving. But doing it again, especially in this scenario, doing it twice in two consecutive weeks, you're starting to build a habit here. And if we end up doing it again against Baltimore, that now becomes consistency. And I love myself some good consistency. I don't like consistency when it comes to this. Because the not calling the timeouts in the effort of keeping players safe, which does not make any sense in the realm of NFL football. And Ron Rivera is like, like the pinnacle of a guy that is against decisions like this, which is kind of why it makes it a little tougher of a pill to swallow. This is so anti-Ron Rivera from what we know about him that it just it doesn't make sense unless he just recognizes and maybe he does I'm sure he does to be completely honest that the team is just not good and he wants to get off the field as quickly as possible obviously you can't say something like that but that's kind of what this seems like because everything that we know about Ron Rivera the the discipline the, the man that he is it seems like he is not the guy that is going to be making this decision on a consistent basis so I would very much like it to stop next week is going to be the great example of this 
Like, is he really serious about this? Because if he does this non-call timeout thing when Baltimore is up like 30 in the fourth quarter, I, I have no idea how that game's going to look, but I'm not, I'm really not looking forward to it at all. If he does this again for the third consecutive week, like he's, he's going to have to really answer for this. Like we can't just let him skate by with the, I just don't want anyone to get hurt thing. I mean, we're, we're even doing a good job now of not letting him skate by with the, I just don't want people to get hurt thing. Uh, you just can't keep doing this. Like this has to stop. We are a rebuilding team. We need all the reps we can get at this point. I understand you don't want to shatter a guy's confidence, but you need to put the guy out on the field and let him sling the ball around. I'm talking about Dwayne Haskins. We need to put him on the field and let him sling the ball around a little bit. You need to put the offense on the field and let this offensive line kind of figure out the the issues that they're having here. Like, are these fixable issues or are they just bad football players? Like, it's it's one of the two, right? Like, it, you, these the issues... We either have some guys that just need to get to, need to get on the same page, or we have some guys that should not be playing football in the NFL. That's what it comes down to on the offensive line, and the only way we can get a good grasp on that is if they're out there actually playing. So that needs to change next week. That's like the key. That's going to be key number one. Just to be completely honest, like that has to that has to change next week. All right, that was. That was what this was. This was not really a fun week of football from our perspective. It was fun across the NFL for everyone else. And look at it this way. This here, we'll end on a good note. We are not the Falcons. We're not the Jets. We're not the Giants. So take whatever solace in that that you will. We are not as bad as any of those three teams. And our quarterback also isn't Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, so hooray. That's a win. All right, that's it. That's it for me. That's that's me trying to end on a good note because I'm I was furious with what I was watching yesterday. I'd love to know your thoughts at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. I'll be back later in the week with a preview podcast. This has been the Pickman Podcast.